welcome to the first episode of Bolts Breakdown. I'm your host, Deandra Liu, and I'm pretty excited for this show to start. And I have a really special guest with me uh, for the first episode. So whether it is out in Thunder Alley or you're sitting in Amelie Arena, you hear this man's voice at every Tampa Bay Lightning game. And I, I can hear it right now as I'm saying it. Um, so he is the co-host of the Block Party podcast. He has his own marketing and promotions company. The list goes on and on and we'll kind of break it down. But it is in arena host, Greg Wolf. So Greg, thanks so much for being my first guest. Thank you, Deandra, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. And, you know, we were going to launch this show right before the playoffs and you were the first person that I thought of and I immediately reached out. You were you were game from day one. And I so appreciate that because it was of such course. a crazy time. And if I remember, you were going to Cabo, right? Um, actually, I was going to um, Puerto Vallarta. So like, oh. pretty, pretty close to uh, Cabo. But yeah, I was uh, I was in the track again. Hoping that that trip was going to be a little bit later in the summer, uh, you know, but unfortunately for the lightning, it didn't happen that way. But unfortunately for me, it allowed me to go on my vacation a little bit sooner. But uh, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, tough season for us this year, uh, ending the way it did um, again. You know, you see how difficult it is to get to the Stanley Cup, obviously now with Florida and Vegas making it both teams very well deserving but everybody i believe this season when it started seeing how boston uh you know had the most uh memorable and and winningest season in the history of the national hockey league and then you lose uh to a team that you were up three to one on and they haven't uh they haven't looked back since so it just goes to show you how difficult it really is to get to the stanley cup it also shows how remarkable of a run that we've been on the last, you know, five, 10 years, really the last four years, if you literally think about it, but um, it's just a testament to, to how amazing this team has been um, and really how difficult it is to get to the promised land. And uh, you know, now that we're kind of seeing uh, the bandaid is pulled off, so to speak, and, and the injuries that we had and, and losing Eric Chernak, you know, that turned out to be a huge loss for us. Um, and, you know, not having Tanner Janot and, there was just a lot of variables that uh, that just didn't uh, line up for us down the stretch. And it's unfortunate. But again, we have nothing to hang our hats on. I think it's a well-needed rest, uh, you know, not just for me, but for everybody else that's been on this tear uh, for the last, you know, five years or so. So it's it's actually been kind of nice to to have a little bit of time off uh, and, and allow everybody to kind of regroup and decompress and get right back on it. Because believe it or not, preseason will be here before you know it September is not that far away so uh, we'll be right back on it next season I feel good about things yeah no I I'm with you and I do want to dive into you personally but going back to what you said watching Colorado get eliminated was just and they were so good last year and oh. watching them get eliminated was was like a, a stark reminder of how insanely hard it is to win back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Yeah, I mean, again, and not only that, but making it to the Cup three times in a row. Uh, you know, obviously we fell short because, again, we were exhausted, we were tired, we were beat up, uh, severely injured. Uh, but again, it, it's just, it's remarkable when you really stop to think about 
the last 10 years of lightning hockey, it's not even been close to us and any other team around the league. And again, that goes from the top down with Mr. Vinnick to Cooper and Breezebois and everybody's done just an, an amazing, remarkable job. And I think a lot of these organizations are, you know, wish to emulate what we've done here in Tampa. So um, we had a, we had a chit chat with Julian uh, right as the season wrapped up. And I feel really good about, um, you know, where we're headed and the, the next 10 years of lightning hockey, we are set up for greatness. So uh, for lightning fans out there, don't fret, uh, don't hang your head low. Uh, I think the future is bright for our, uh, our bolts. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I had that down on my list of things that I wanted to ask you, but yeah, you, you have the, the block party podcast uh, with Kobe, which is awesome. And, I, and yeah. I love watching you guys and you have some great guests on there. And you did, you just interviewed Julian Breesbaugh. And I think maybe it was the last or second to last episode. Um, and I thought it was really interesting, the questions you were asking him and kind of breaking down his thought process and where Coop um, is involved in the decisions. So they have a lot of tough decisions to make this summer. Um, obviously in the exit interviews, everyone said that they wanted to stay. Every sure, player sure. always wants to say, nobody wants to leave. It makes sense, right? Of but <laughs> realistically, that's not possible. And something that the Lightning are really good at is finding guys like Mikey Asimot, right? That maybe get looked over, nobody really knows about. They bring them in and they bring out the best in these players. So I was kind of curious, and you've you've been with the organization for a long time, but where you see the future, especially like in the next couple of years, because the cap is really tight this summer. Next sure. year it opens up a little bit. Just kind of where you where you see this team going. So, you know, the the X's and O's, the numbers, the financial game, obviously nothing in my wheelhouse. But looking at our track record, looking at uh, you know, our farm system, so to speak, in, in the minors, and again, talking with Julian. And realizing the amount of individuals within our team when it comes to the scouts, when it comes to the coaching staff, when it comes to the development process, there are so many layers. And that's why I was asking Julian to kind of break it down for the uh, the casual hockey fan. How much really goes into the work and the preparation that they are dealing with right now, heading into the draft soon, uh, you know, with the, with the minors that we have and the, and the guys that are in the system that they're developing now. There's probably a bunch of names that we have no idea who these kids are. I know one of the names, um, I forget, uh, I brought it up to Julian, was the uh, the Russian kid. And there was pictures of Sergey with this kid. And they just signed him to a three-year deal. And again, nobody knows who this kid is. But is he the next coming? Is he the next uh, Victor Hedman? Or, we don't know that yet. However, I feel confident in, uh, again, the track record of this team, our scouts and our coaching staff to develop that young talent, to fill those pieces that we know we're going to lose. Are we going to lose Alex Kalorn? Are we going to lose uh, a Ross Colton? It's very possible, guys. And that, again, is part of the business aspect of the NHL. So we know we can't keep everybody, and that's why there's a salary cap. However, uh, our organization has done a remarkable job of figuring out ways to make it work for everybody as best as they can. There are guys, believe it or not, that do decide to take a hometown discount. I know it sounds sometimes like that's not a real thing, but it really is. Some guys would prefer the quality of life, uh, the chance to win a championship, the camaraderie with the fellas. Sometimes that means more to them than the money. Now, somebody like an Alex Kalorn, he deserves a payday, right? So mm -hmm. is Alex willing to take a hometown discount to stay here to try to win championships or is Alex like, 
I need to go get millions. You know what I mean? So we will never understand that and, and what the thought process is for those guys. But, but um, I feel good again, that the group that we do have, they all want to stay here. They all want to play here, but it just comes down to the business. And it's unfortunate that we're probably going to lose one or two or maybe three of those guys. But the track record in the history of Julian and coach Cooper and our scouting staff, like you just said, they find the Tanner Janos, they find the Mikey Asimonts and guys that we don't know so much about, but then they kind of work their way into our system. They develop. And then you start to see the camaraderie and the uh, continuity with the guys on their lines. So we have no reason to think that this is going to change and that it's going to be any different uh, this season and moving forward. So you have to put belief and trust in Julian and the crew that they know the issues that we had this season. They know the holes that we uh, had in the defense and things of that nature and trust that they're going to address those issues and correct them moving forward. So we should be excited uh, for the upcoming season because the nucleus is locked. The main guys are going nowhere and the guys had an amazing season. Brandon Hagel had an amazing season. Stammer, Kucherov, like they had great seasons and I expect that to continue this season and moving forward yeah and you know uh coop at the exit interview um the exit interviews was talking about how it's just the nature of the business and this is something that we have to get used to i think with this organization in particular and it does go back to winning those two cups but just in general this team is so loved by this community and they're so involved and everybody gets attached and the players, you know, it's so funny because I've spoken to different people that work in the business, work in the media. And I tell them, you know, this player, I love to interview this player. I love to ask them questions because they just keep talking. Right. And in <laughs> hockey, that is not the norm. Right. And they go in one of, one of the, the women in media that I was talking to, she goes, him? Really? Because when he <laughs> yeah. to the other team, he wouldn't say a word to me. But I, it's just the environment and the culture of this team. It's just how it is. So I think that everyone gets attached. And, um, you know, teams go through this every single year. It is. And again, we have really great personalities on our team. And I think that our Lightning Vision crew also does a great job, um, you know, with some of the video vignettes and the fun game stuff that we have. The guys go head to head so we can kind of see their personalities off the ice. But they do a really great job of bringing those things to life, which, again, makes you feel like you know these guys a little bit better. Um, and they do a good job also in our community. We're so, like you said, heavily involved with the different charities and things that are important to, uh, you know, to them personally, but also to the organization as a whole and to this great Tampa Bay community. So I do think that our guys are a little bit different uh, than, than most of the guys in the NHL. I mean, most NHL players are awesome and they're down to earth and they're very approachable, but I just think we have something really, really special here in Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, so I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about you and kind of how you got started because I feel like, and you've been with the organization for a long time, but you kind of just embody what the lightning are all about, which is hard work. And for you, you've just, you grinded it out, old fashioned style, like one little step at a time, asking people for opportunities, which you're still doing. Sure. And uh, I read that you actually, because you got your start in radio, which radio is, is such a fun environment to work in, but you got your start 
in St. Pete, and you can tell me if this is correct, but you were doing a food delivery. Your your brother worked for a restaurant, right, in St. Pete, okay. and you yeah. jumped in there and you were doing a delivery and you ended up going on air? Yeah, so this was, yeah, when I was a student at USF, my brother uh, happened to work at a restaurant uh, at that time. And um, back then, this is the late 90s, early 2000s, the Hooters on the radio show uh, was an actual legitimate morning show here in Tampa. Yes, that Hooters brand that we all know globally, I had a morning show and Lynn Austin, who is the original Hooters girl, was kind of like the mainstay of that show. And then the cast of characters uh, that was built around um, Lynn, Lynn Austin. So I was a student at USF, my brother working at a restaurant. And as it is in radio, uh, a lot of these establishments get chosen to do food drops and get mentions on the morning. And that's what happened. My brother's restaurant got selected. He asked me, knowing that I was a student at USF in, in mass comm, if I wanted to go with him down to this uh, radio station visit. Of course, I was like, yes, let's go. And um, it just happened to be that that morning, uh, the girls were talking about Lynn Austin, uh, for few, for reference, she was married to a professional uh, baseball player, Daryl Dalton. So uh, a wife of a, a MLB player. So on this particular morning, the ladies were talking about why men don't like to shop. And um, being that I grew up in a fashion retail family, my mom worked for Saks Fifth Avenue and Macy's. We were around uh, fashion retail our whole lives. So it was kind of making me like boil over listening to the, the stereotyping that these ladies were doing about their husbands and whatnot. So when we got down to the studio to bring in the food um, and, you know, they were talking about the food of the restaurant to my brother and stuff, and I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I happened to say, excuse, can I ask you ladies a question real quick? And they're like, who's this kid? And I was like, you do realize you're generalizing men by saying that we don't like to shop, right? And so they were like, who is this kid? And next thing you know, there was just this natural banter between me and the ladies. And it was hilarious. It was funny. It was engaging. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this more. And so I asked them after the bit, I said, do you guys have interns here? And they were like, nobody has ever asked us that before. So we don't even know the process involved with that. You need to go talk to our GM. And I did. And he was listening to the bit. He thought it was great. Um, so I said, I'm a student at USF. And um, I know that this is part of the curriculum. They want us to get internships, whether that's a TV, any sort of major media retail outlet. So this could be a great opportunity for me. He had no idea what to do. He goes, you need to go talk to your professor. I have no idea how this works. Um, so I did. I went to my professor. I said, I have an opportunity to have an internship at a morning radio show. He was like, this is great. He gave me the paperwork and took it to the GM for him to sign off. And it basically they have to mark your hours and show that you're actually there doing stuff. And so that was my foot in the door in radio. I became their intern over the years. They sent me out uh, to do really crazy street stunts, um, <laughs> which is kind of how I got my radio name back then. Uh, with third leg Greg was because they said I had a lot of balls to do the stuff that I was doing. Um, and I did. I did some crazy, crazy stuff. And so that was kind of my uh, leap into the radio world. And eventually uh, when Wild 98.7 here in Tampa, which is now Wild 94.1, uh, back in 1998 launched, um, I got my foot in the door there as a street teamer on the promotions team and did the same thing I did at the Hooter station. I learned everything I could in that building from producing commercials, how to run the board, doing promotions, and eventually worked my way on air. Uh, was the number one rated night show here in Tampa uh, for almost seven years from basically 99 to 2005, 2006 ish. And uh, when I left the radio station, uh, the gentleman who hired me originally, Mark Gullett, 
Uh, he took a job as vice president of marketing for the Lightning in 99, which is like literally about a year and a half into the radio's creation. And me being the night guy at Wild and he being the vice president of marketing for the Lightning, we did promos over those five, six years all the time, whether that was ticket giveaways. We had the Tampa Bay Storm football team then. Uh, so they would send the girls down for Lightning Girl auditions or Storm Cheerleader auditions. So we had a great working relationship. And when my job was up at Wild, he's the first person I contacted. And at the time, he didn't have anything available. Uh, and I kind of waited things out and a few months passed. And then he hit me up and said, I think I might have a position here for you at the Lightning that you would be fantastic for. And it was a marketing coordinator. And basically, that meant that I would be handling everything and anything to do with marketing of the Lightning, everything from print ads, digital media. Uh, it was my job to basically handle Fort Thunder Alley as far as booking the bands and DJs. Uh, assembling all of our sponsors and, and groups and things like that uh, pregame. And there was a lot of things that were involved uh, in the marketing department. We were the crew that created scene Stamkos back in 2008 when, when Stammer was our draft pick. Yeah. We executed the whole scene Stamkos campaign, which was crazy this season to, to see that come full circle. That uh, is crazy. Yeah. Knowing that me and Bobby Lanza and Mark Gullett, we were like the three guys that really made that uh, promotion for Stammer come to life. And, I got to run into Stammer's parents actually this season and talk to them about it. And they remembered that very first day that Stammer came into the building and we clapped him in and they remembered the stamp scene Stamkos. It was awesome. It was really, really awesome. So um, being with the lightning in marketing availed me the opportunity to start hosting. Um, and it was actually just by chance back then the lightning had two hosts, uh, a gentleman named Todd and Jenny Dean, who's still in the market here. But back then, <laughs> Um, sometimes they would work game nights together. Sometimes it would be one or the other. And on this particular game night, um, I hear the director in my boss's office, which is just down the hall from mine. And he's freaking out. And I kind of overhearing what's going on. And basically long story short, Todd was out of, uh, out of the market or whatever for on a business trip. And Jenny Dean has a family emergency two hours before puck drop. Like we're literally getting ready to start the show. She has an emergency. She has to go. So the director's in his office, like, I don't know what the F we're going to do. He's like freaking out. And so I'm eavesdropping. I'm here and I go and knock on the door. I said, Mark, you know, I'm more than capable to hop in and help out here tonight. I have no problems getting in front of a crowd. I know the importance of sponsor element. I get it. And so he looked at the director. and He's like, I don't think you have a choice. You better put the wolf in. And I kind of stepped in and, and uh, guest hosted, if you will, for that particular game. Crushed it. Like I, I, whatever I did that night, I don't even remember, but I just remember yeah. having so much fun because again, I'm like a fan just like everybody else is. And now I get to be the biggest cheerleader of all fans. And I guess it resonated uh, with the fan base. Like this guy's one of us and he's out there and he's having fun. And so for the team, it was great to say, Hey, God forbid we ever have another uh, situation. We know we have somebody in our own office that's more than capable to, to host on game nights. And Sure enough, the next season comes around. Uh, Todd leaves the market. Jenny Dean gets a job on Bay News 9 uh, and takes that gig. And so I kind of slid into the role. I uh, was doing it for the Lightning and for the uh, arena football team for the Tampa Bay Storm. All the way up until the Cowboys bought the team. And I'll just refer to them as the Cowboys because that's how many, many people in the market referred to them as. Yes. And uh, 2009, they blew all of us out. They they fired everybody, including me, including, I mean, they like, got rid of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started working for uh, iHeartRadio uh, for WDAE and 970 WFLA, which were the home of the Lightning. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like I left the team, but now I'm working for the broadcast. 
uh, partner of the team. So I still have kind of had ties with it and didn't really kind of leave, but I did. And I wasn't hosting only from basically the 20, uh, 2009-10 to 2011 uh, seasons were the only time I didn't host. Uh, because when Vinick bought the team and he hired Todd Lewicki and Steve Griggs, the very first thing that those guys did when they got here was they did a deep dive into the season ticket member feedback, the surveys and things that they ask season ticket members and ticket buyers every year. Mm-hmm. And the fans were like, what happened to Wolf? Where is Greg Wolf? Why is he not doing games? And so, so they asked, they're like, where's this Greg Wolf guy? And uh, sure enough, um, they asked me to come back. I was so excited to come back because I didn't want to leave in the first place. Yep. Lockout year. And so <laughs> I, was like, oh, I got so excited. We're coming back. No, you're not. Not until that January. And that year we sucked when we came back. January had three months to play. It was terrible. We sucked. But ever since then, it's been trajectory straight up. So that's kind of been my path um, to get to the lightning hosting gig. I've been doing this will be my 17th season. Uh, really going back to the 2006-7 season when I started with the team. So uh, just a very small bit in there where I wasn't the host, but uh, I don't think a lot of people remember that because it was so long ago now, like thinking about it. Wow, we're almost going to be in the 23-24 season. That's amazing. Um, but that was really my trek, and um, and that's kind of how it started. I started my own marketing and promotions company when I left Wild and started right before that transition between um, wild and the lightning is when street lace marketing started out of, out of really of a necessity of trying mm-hmm. to find something to do. And, and my business partner and I, uh, since then have taken that company full time. Uh, we are full time, full scale marketing and promotions agency here in Tampa, uh, providing entertainment and DJs for the likes of the lightning for the Buccaneers, USF, IMG Academy, city of Tampa, the whole nine. So I've been able to curate, you know, all these different crazy paths I've been on, um, to this point today and and like you said i'm still working i still have aspirations i still have goals i still want to do things um you know the bolts block party this year addition to that is another feather in the cap which has been amazing this past season working with kobe so i'm just continually trying to find my way um but you know i love the path that i'm on right now it's been an exciting uh it's been an exciting 12 months uh really the last i would say the last five six months have been incredible uh doing events for the nhl directly and uh the ncaa it's just it's been it's been a whirlwind this year for sure yeah and i i want to ask you well first of all it is crazy too when you are telling this story and you're looking back how every tiny little step that you made and you don't even realize that it is is happening but it gets you exactly where you're supposed to be and that's why i tell people too like you always if you're presented with an opportunity no matter if it's big or small if you feel that at some way, shape or form in the future, it's going to make a difference or it's going to put you on that path or it's going to give you one additional step to get to your goal. You should always take that opportunity. People ask me all the time to host events, uh, do charity things. And if I can do it, I'm going to do it because you never know what person or individual is going to be at an event that you're doing something at and they love what you do and they love how you present things. And that can lead to another opportunity. So mm-hmm. I've always tried to take things, uh, you know, as they come my way. And if I'm a, if I'm available and I can do it, I'm going to do it because you just never know where that next step is going to lead you. That's true. Um, I want to ask you because you've been able, and you mentioned this, but you've been able to work a couple of all-star, I think maybe three all-star yep. weekends. Yep. Um, yeah. Here in Tampa, in sunrise. Vegas, in sunrise. Yep. I want to hear 
it's crazy. And, and we were talking about the Panthers, but, and I will say this and you can either agree or disagree with me on this, sure. but once the lightning were out and I started to pay attention to the Panthers and really watch them play Boston, I saw, they reminded me of the lightning right before they won the cup. Like they're yep. getting those breaks. They're yep. so tough. They do not care. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear because you working in sunrise for all-star weekend, you got to be around the arena. You got to meet some of their employees and be around their staff and just kind of want to hear your thoughts about them as they play in the Stanley cup final. So, yeah. And I know it's been a hot button with, especially with our fan base saying, yes. you, know, you, can't cheer, you can't cheer for Florida. That's our rivals. But if you look at it right now, it's almost like they're our little brother. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you're happy for your little brother because if anybody's going to win, you'd rather see your little brother. Last time I checked, guys, Tampa is in the state of Florida. It's not the Miami uh, Panthers. It's not the Fort Lauderdale Panthers. It's the Florida Panthers. And therefore, we are in the state of Florida. So why would you cheer for Vegas? They have nothing to do with this state. They have nothing to do with the area or the region that we live in. So with that being said, you kind of need to root for Florida because let's be real. The Eastern conference belongs to the state of Florida. The last four years, you have to come through our state in order to compete for Lord Stanley. So that regard, you have to look at it as a positive. You have to put any silver lining on it. That's the silver lining. However, for the people and the crew that I got to work with down in Sunrise, they are exceptional. They really rolled out the, the Southern hospitality and the red carpet for us and the NHL staff. I really got a chance to, like you said, work alongside Gabby and Michael and, and the, uh, the crew all over there. They were amazing. And they really welcomed us with open arms. Um, you know, I did get to talk to Kachuk. I get, did get to talk to Barkov. Um, the guys were cool. And again, they were uh, mesmerized by that moment being in their house, kind of like our guys were in 2018 when it was here in Tampa and really just trying to like soak up the fact that this is in your house. You never know if it's going to happen again. Um, so you want to enjoy and embrace every moment, but it's, it is, it's a hard pill for us to swallow knowing that our quote unquote little brother down the road is fighting for the cup. But at the same time, I'd rather it be them than anybody else. And the fact that they, you know, they took out Boston, they took out, Toronto and again those are our nemesis as well you have to have a little bit of pride to know that Boston fan hates Florida they hate the state of Florida all the traditional original six teams, they hate us and I guarantee you Phil Esposito is smiling somewhere right now because they never want to see hockey in the south thrive they cannot wrap their arms and heads around the fact that carolina nashville dallas tampa like the florida like these teams should not be having the success in our sport well guess what the tides have turned the south runs the hockey world and uh we're not gonna let it go no way no and i think there's something to be said about about the the environment down here like it is very relaxed it's not tense like right. everybody's relaxed. They're just doing their thing. They're happy. They're at ease and they're playing hockey. And right. there's something to be said about that. Clearly it's showing to be successful. It is. And again, I just think that it's hard for, for people that have come from traditional hockey markets to understand that. Like, how is it that these guys get to go, you know, go to the beach and be in flip-flops and then they're coming to a hockey game at night. Like it's mm -hmm. hard for them to comprehend that. And excuse me, and think that we're going to be, you know, having success on the level that we've had success for the last decade or more. It's just hard for people to comprehend. But again, the game has changed. 
We're not the same. Uh, you know, we have proven that we know what it takes and we've brought the right people in to make things happen. And again, that's not our fault. You know, maybe you guys need to, you know, look at who you have on your team and your organization and try to get to be like what the lightning are doing. Yeah. And the one thing that I, I will say, Greg, though, if, if the Panthers win the Stanley cup, which I believe that they will, I believe they have exactly what they need to win. Sure. They are not allowed to have a boat parade. That is the only thing. They are not allowed to have a boat parade. That is off limits. Everything else, do what you want to do. But like, sure. none I, don't, of I don't know if they would just because if they did, they would look like they're straight biting Tampa, right? Oh. So we we have the infrastructure, the river. You know, it made sense for us to do that. I'm sure Miami would try to find a waterway to do it. I, I don't know. Like, again, if they go that route, then I think people would be like, really? You guys are really trying to bite Tampa? <laughs> I think we set the bar so high. And Tom Brady, you know, throwing the the, the Lombardi trophy on the waterways. I just think that yeah. we've we have captivated the 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 fan base when it comes to that kind of celebration i'd be hard pressed to think that they would do the same if they're if they're smart they don't they don't even try to attempt that don't touch the boat, don't parade. Touch the boat parade i'm with you that to us i'm yeah. with you i think that's that belongs to tampa um and speaking of boat parades it's just reminded me but it's my last question for you also, and it's going to be a good one. Um, sure. So about a week or maybe a couple of weeks after the season ended this year, I was with some some people that work in media and cover the lightning and, and we were at lunch and we were talking about the boat parade from the second Stanley Cup. And oh, we had so many funny, we were all laughing so hard. We had so many funny stories. We were talking about Yanni Gord when he was on I don't even know if it was a real skateboard. It was Maybe. a dolly. It was a dolly, like a dolly. Yeah, when he was doing belly slides on the stage. Yeah, like that. And I even asked Yanni on the block party, like, where did you even find the dolly? Like, where did that come from? And he was like, I don't know. Like, it was over by the stage area where, like, somebody had, uh, you know, I guess they were moving equipment, whether it was speakers mm -hmm. or something. So he finds this dolly. Remember, these guys are ripped. <laughs> like, at that point, when they got to land, they were tore up. So who knows? where it came from and like what their behavior was at that point. Cause I don't know where that came from, but it was an epic moment and him climbing the scaffolding with the, with the dolly in his hand. Like it was just, it was pandemonium that event. I mean, it was great. The boat parade part was amazing, but the celebration at Julian B lane got ugly because the weather, <laughs> the weather like a hurricane monsoon blew in right about maybe it was like 20 or 30 minutes before yeah. we were supposed to get things rolling. And it was scary. I'm not going to lie to you. Like that was the first time in a while that I was, I was kind of scared because I was on that staging when the weather blew in. Like it was literally like you could see this wall of water uh, moving its way up the river from downtown to us. And it hit so fast. We really didn't have time to, get the stage broke down and the things that were on the stage. So it blew in so fast. It knocked the, um, the scrim on the back of the stage went flying up. And when that went flying up, it knocked all the chairs on the stage, the podiums that were supposed to hold the trophies went flying into the crowd. Um, everything on the staging started to crumble. All the electrical equipment, everything had to be shut down. Dave Randorf and I got stuck on the stage in this corner 
and all this water was just gushing off of the stage and it's in front of us and there's electrical boxes on the ground in front of us where water is just i mean mind you the boxes were off but dave and i were in a spot where we could not move and the stage is flapping and the metal bars are flying i'm like this is like dave i'm like legit like this is scary it was bad it was really bad and like our fans are like ducking for cover they're diving into the uh, vip tent which got ransacked and like it just became a a shit show sorry pardon my language but that's the best way to describe what happened it became a shit show and at that point the stage is destroyed the weather has like dissipated the crowd the guys were in the river center right waiting for their moment to come down celebrate and and finally at one point they just said screw it we're going down there anyways and that's when all hell broke loose that's when yanni was doing belly slides on a dolly and climbing scaffolding and guys are chugging beers on the stage i mean it was just they did the best they could with with what hand we were dealt um but it wasn't a great celebration for us as far as the lightning crew because it was scary. It was unpredictable. It wasn't scheduled to go down the way it was supposed to. Um, so that part was crazy. The boat parade itself, though, went off without a hitch. So that portion, people remember. They don't necessarily remember the ceremony part and the and the whole staging getting destroyed. Um, but, again, one of those things that I'll never forget. <laughs> Not for a good reason, but I mean, it was obviously there to celebrate the cup and, and all that. But uh, that was a crazy, crazy day. Unlike the the COVID year when we won it and we had the celebration at Raymond James Stadium, that first boat parade, that was a whole different experience. So, and again, I, I you know, I've been uh, I've been very privileged to be a part of all of that stuff, and and those are things that uh, I will have forever for sure. So, and just to end this too, but Dave was one of the ones, Dave Randorf was at lunch that day and he was <laughs> talking about, it was so funny because we were talking about how sunny it was during the boat parade. Yeah. Like, it was hot. It was beautiful. And we're just yeah. living life. Right. And right. then all of a sudden that storm, I mean, I was ducking for cover. It, the rain was going sideways. It was awful. Yes. And he was telling me that NHL Network wanted him to broadcast live from the celebration afterwards. And so he said, are you sure? Like, and that was when it was starting to get really crazy. Like, I don't know what Palat was doing. I know McDonough was running around with the cup at Julian B. Lane. And that's when Yanni Gord was zipping by on his dolly. And uh, so he just, he took the mic and they said, tell us what you see. And he's like, it's not looking good. Like, yeah. And then there goes Yanni Gord, just yeah. zipping right by, doing I his remember, thing. I remember Dave and I were talking as my mom was watching the celebration up in Washington, D.C. And I was, I remember being interviewed by Dave at one point. I was like, we're live still? And he's like, yeah. And like, it was insane because you're right. They were throwing stuff at him during this situation that was just pandemonium at that point. And they still wanted him to do live hits and was like, you guys don't realize what we are dealing with right now. Yeah. You still want me to go talk to people? Like there's a like a, a major electrical storm happening right now. But you know, it was uh we nobody knew what to do. Like we were no. all just dealt this hand that was like, what the hell is going on? But we just we made the most of it. That's and the fans it. stayed, the fans it were is. incredible, they stayed through the entire thing. They looked so happy in their ponchos and whatever else they had going on, and that yeah. is awesome. Yeah, it was uh it was definitely one for the books, that's for sure. Well, Greg, I'm really glad we got to do this. Thanks so Me much too. for coming on. We'll have to do it. We're we're going we're going all the way next year. So we got yeah. a lot of time next year. You can come back on. I would love to. Let's um, do it. Do it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Greg. Sounds good.
dive, creating some space, ends up with Hedman. Hedman inside, that's good! 